Pastor Xavier Reese and the simple truths of God's way of revealing His will. The angel revealed the personal privilege of Mary. Mary was so literally she had found favor with God. Mary would conceive in her womb and bring forth a son and will be called the son of the highest. He would be the son of God. She understands this. She was schooled and taught in the scriptures. Mary was stunned and humbled of her privilege here. Chosen vessel and honor. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Eyewitness News, fair and balanced news, all the news that's fit to print. We expect only the top news sources to make the breaking news stories of our day. So when God sent an angel to deliver the greatest news of all time to an audience of one, and a young virgin woman at that, it was difficult for even her to believe what she was hearing. But as today's Simple Truth study from the Gospel of Luke unfolds, Pastor Xavier illustrates how God goes about choosing the seemingly unlikely vessels He uses. Let's listen. The Gospel writers tell us of the coming of the Messiah, but each one approaches it with a specific purpose in mind, as you know. Matthew begins with the crisis of Mary's pregnancy and Gabriel's revelation to Joseph that that was the work of God and Mary of the Holy Spirit. Mark and John don't give the annunciation of the birth of Christ, but simply begin with the ministry of John at the baptism of Jesus. But Luke, he provides us with great detail of the annunciation to Mary about the birth of Christ by the angel Gabriel. And Matthew writes to the Jew, or, and, and Mark to the Romans, and Luke to the Gentile. And so we each have a perspective and a focus. Uh, Luke presents and focuses on the humanity of Jesus Christ, the Son of Man. Every bit of man, yet God. The 400 years of silence has been broken already, as we've seen, as God has sent Gabriel to Zacharias, uh, father of John the Baptist, and that God had heard his prayers, and Elizabeth was going to bear a son. And now God is going to send Gabriel to announce to the young girl, Mary, that she was going to bear a child also, the Messiah, the Son of God. And it unfolds for us in three simple movements. You have the visitation to Mary in verse 26 to 29. Then you have the revelation to Mary in 30 to 33. And he finishes off by the consolation to Mary in verse 34 to 38. The visitation to Mary, 26 to 29. Notice in verse 26, the angel Gabriel is the person announcing the birth of the Messiah. The time of Gabriel's coming was in the sixth month, it said. This is of Elizabeth's pregnancy. So Elizabeth and Mary are cousins, second cousins, so Jesus and John the Baptist would be second cousins also, okay? They would be related. Now, the angel Gabriel was sent from God, and Gabriel had been sent to Zacharias. We've seen this already in chapter 1, verse 19. And the angel Gabriel said that he was the angel that stood before God. So these are the words that are coming directly from God to the person. This angel is incredible, just standing before God to do his bidding, as all angels do, but uh, he, he's the angel of good news. He, he, he just can't keep his mouth quiet. He's always got to share. But this angel comes 
not only to Elizabeth, but now to Mary. And notice the city is a Nazareth in Galilee, and it was the place for the announcement. Nazareth was in the valley of, of Lower Galilee, but Nazareth is, is not really thought of a high-quality city. Uh, the city was around eight miles from Jerusalem. Now, the result was in that area that merchant Greeks and Roman soldiers were common in that area. So because of that, the, the town had a bad reputation, as you know, where there's military bases, all that. You always have different things going on because of the singleness of men and as well as port cities like San Diego or anything else. And so the city was in Beverly Hills, let's put it that way. The city was um, identified as having a bad reputation. And this would explain the words of Nathaniel, if you remember in John 1.46, can anything good come out of Nazareth? It was common knowledge. Now, in verse 27, notice the visitation was to a pure virgin named Mary. Mary was, is called a virgin, parthenos is the word, one who was pure from sexual intercourse. The sexual purity of a woman was no small matter when it came in the nation of Israel, as you know, throughout history. Now, the time of Jesus was uh, more lax, but here you have a, a godly young woman who had kept herself. And the law declared that when a woman experienced the sex before marriage, she would be humbled by that man in Deuteronomy 22, 24 and other passages. The law also declared that she was not to defile herself or play the harlot while in her father's house. There were great consequences, Leviticus 21, 9. And uh, you know the law of the provisions that needed to be provided when you got married if you were accused of not being a virgin. So all these things are, you know, this is the historical background for the people of God. And here now, she was probably 14, 15, at the most 16. So you've got a, a young girl that's incredibly mature and spiritual uh, for the time she was living. Now, Mary was also betrothed, it says, identifying the period of engagement that lasted about a year, and then they would get married and they would consummate the wedding. The betrothal was as binding as the actual marriage once it took place in the consummation. So much so that if it was to be dissolved, if uh, she changed her mind or he changed her mind during this period, they would have to get a legal divorce. Now, Mary was fulfilling Isaiah's prophecy of Isaiah 14. Behold, a virgin should bear a child. You should call his name Emmanuel. There are two Hebrew words for virgin. One of them is Bethula, a virgin not betrothed or espoused in Genesis 24:16. She was just a single virgin. The second word is the word Alma, and that's a virgin who is betrothed or espoused, the same thing that we're talking about here in Genesis 24, 43. Remember Rebecca. At first, she was not espoused, then the, he engaged her, and then the same word is used there. Now, Mary fulfills the prophecy of a virgin betrothed to a man, fulfilling the prophecy Exactly. Now, for God to say something before it happens or when it happens, you know, it's God, it's no big deal. Okay? But if, and we're going to see through this whole narrative, if you exclude the most important factor in the equation, God, then you're going to have a hard time. Okay? And that's why God put the first verse of the Bible in the first verse. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The word borrow means out of nothing, just spoke in the being. If you can handle verse 1 of Genesis 1, the rest of the Bible shouldn't bother you. At all. 
Notice she was betrothed to Joseph of the house of David. Joseph and Mary were both of the lineage of David. Uh, Matthew Mark, chapter 1, verse 7, 1 through 17 gives you the genealogy. And then Luke 3, 23 down to 38. Now Joseph was of the lineage of David through Solomon. Mary through Nathan. In Matthew 1, 11, you find that. And in Luke 3, 31. But Matthew traces the genealogy of Joseph through Solomon. But Jeconiah, in chapter 1, verse 11, was cursed from the throne. Jeremiah tells us that. So even though Joseph was of the line of David, his lineage came through Solomon in Jeconiah which disqualified him, though he had a right to the throne. Luke gives you the genealogy of Mary through Nathan, the other son of David, which was a clean line. And by the way, Joseph was not the father, so it didn't matter. But they were both of the line of David. Okay? One is a ascension from Adam to Joseph, Matthew, because he's writing to the Jew, king of the Jews, Luke gives us a descension from Mary back to Adam. Why? Because Jesus is presented as the perfect man, the son of man, the last Adam. You see? So they have their purposes for it. Now, Jeremiah 22, 24 through 30 gives you that curse. Now, Joseph was just a man a just man, as Matthew tells us, if you read Matthew 1.19. And uh, when he got wind that Mary was pregnant, of course he concluded that someone had humbled her. There's nothing else you can conclude. And he really wanted to put her away privately at first until God sent the angel and let him know. And, and God would have to make that known to you. There's no other way you're going to believe this. You understand? God has to be in it. But before you're too hard on Joseph, notice that God did not fault him. God didn't say, you're a self-righteous pig. Because he had the right, as a man with a free will, to marry who he would based on proper information, right? But when he got the real information from God, then it made all the difference in the world, right? And so he acted accordingly. Now, Joseph was a carpenter by trade, as you know. Matthew 13, 55, and Mark 6, 3. But it most likely doesn't refer to wood, but to stone cutting of that day, okay? And when we get down to Israel, we'll take you and we'll show you what kind of manger Jesus most likely was laid in when he was born. It wasn't a wooden one. It was a feeding trough, probably about the size of this is average, and it was stone. It was a feeding trough for the animals because he was at that end. Now, Joseph is declared to have been supposed the father of Jesus because he was not. And Matthew makes this clear by the conception, and Luke 3.23 tells us very specifically. Now, though God records something, doesn't mean men believe it. That is always the case. Notice 28. The proclamation to Mary was to rejoice. Mary was told to rejoice in her situation that was going to be Difficult and bring much suspicion to her life. It simply means to be glad. It's a greeting. The old King James translates it, hail, down in verse 29 also. Luke identifies it. 
Mary was then given the reasons she was to rejoice in 28. She's called highly favored one, which means to peruse with grace and encompass with favor. This is the recipiency of all believers and of all sinners. It's just God's grace. And God dispenses the sufficient grace for whatever God wants to do in and through us. She was honored with blessing due to the fact that God had graciously and sovereignly chosen her. God chose her, but she gave her permission at the end. If Mary would have said, no way, God would have got somebody else. There would have been no problem. You understand? We are not going to hinder the decrees of God or the purposes of God. God just finds somebody else. She was told the Lord was with her. Notice, she would need the protection of God for even her own betrothed husband was not with her at first. She would need the guidance, the direction from God every day of her life. You can imagine the difficulties that she would go through. It says she was blessed among women. The word blessed, as you know, means well spoken of. We get our word eulogy from it. Verse 28 and 42 also. Notice the speaking well certainly was not by all and definitely not in her lifetime. She most likely lived under great suspicions regarding her pregnancy. You know how people are because you and I are people. There's slander, there's gossip, there's all kinds of different things that goes on in uh, we're pretty bad news unless we yield ourselves to God. In fact, Simeon will, in chapter 2, verse 33 to 35, declare at the dedication of Jesus, a sword shall pierce your heart, speaking to Mary, telling her that Jesus was born for the rise and fall of many. And certainly that context is speaking about his ultimate death and crucifixion as she was seeing there. But not only that, but you can imagine all the stuff that went on from day one on, difficult. The prophecy then was for the future, as all generations would come and acknowledge and call upon Jesus Christ as their Lord, and she was the chosen vessel. God has a purpose for your life and mine. What it is, you are to seek it out, not your pastor, you individually. Lord, what would you have me to do? The declaration was that Mary was blessed Notice, among, underline that little word, not above, but among women. She was chosen from among, not above other women because she was less a sinner, as we'll see. The woman Mary was not sinless. She had a sin nature like any other person in need of a savior. In fact, she confesses it herself as what is called the magnificent from verse 46 down to 56. Verse 47 and 48, it says, she says, and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. This is Mary talking. For he has regarded the lowly state of his servant, and behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed because of her privilege. But she calls herself a sinner in need of a savior. So the doctrine of her perpetual virginity or the fact that she is sinless or the fact that she ascended up on, on to heaven 
without her body decaying, evidence of sinlessness taught by the Catholic Church is absolutely unbiblical. Absolutely unbiblical. And they do this to make her a co-redemptress, another mediator. And so you go through Mary to go to Jesus because nobody would say no to his mom's room, you know, if they're requesting it, right? Sounds good, but it's not biblical, okay? She needed a Savior just like anybody else. Now, two tragedies. The one I've just mentioned, the exaltation of her beyond humanity. The other side is not to, to thank God for her, that, man, she was 14, 15 years old, and here she submits herself to God, and that was for, through her that God brought this Messiah. Can't wait to meet Mary. Now, a chosen vessel unto honor. Verse 29, the hesitation of Mary is marked by perplexity, and it was very natural. Mary's response was in sharp contrast to the angel Gabriel. The word but marks the sharp contrast. Mary was troubled at his saying. The word trouble simply means to be agitated greatly. Her mind and her heart were agitated over the manner of the greeting. Here she's, again, about 14 years old. Mary considered what manner of greeting this was. What sort, what kind of proclamation might this indicate? Again, 14, 15 years old. The importance of the visitation to Mary would be of such that the history of man's time would be divided by this event, the birth of the Christ child, B.C., A.D. Now, there are those of our day that want to remove that from the minds of people and they have already began to remove that and call it CE, the common era. Men are so opposed to God because if man acknowledges a God and that God came into the world, then that means he is accountable to a supreme being. And he can't handle that. Ah, when you're young, you think you're cool, you want to run ah, because you think that's long away. But the older you get, you realize you've done a lot of naughty stuff. And if there is a God, and there is, you're going to have to face him. Whether you believe in him or not, it doesn't make any difference. It doesn't change the facts. Now, God has visited many for salvation through the history of man. And God has spoken and visited many people in places like Nazareth and spoken to them about their need of Christ and repentance. He didn't come to call the righteous, but to call sinners to repentance, Matthew 9.13 says. God, in every situation of revealing himself, has found people less than pure, and yet he's promised them that he can make them new creatures. Though we were children of the prince and the power of the air, following him, children of disobedience by nature, he made new creatures of us, absolutely new. And whatever God has cleansed, no man can call common. You have to remember that every time you get your mind going. God has brought joy in so many people's lives, knowing their salvation was a divine visitation, not merely a change of life by their own decision, recognizing that God made Christ to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him, in him alone, 2 Corinthians 5.21. The history of man gives witness to multitudes of men and women who have been touched by God's saving power. What he saves you from is irrelevant. What he saves you to is what's important. Jesus does all his fishing in the sewer. 
But when he gets done, his fish don't sink. Keep that in mind. But the sad part is that many have rejected the visitation and will continue to do so. Wow. This was the visitation to Mary. Notice next comes the revelation to Mary, 30 to 33. In 30 to 31, the angel revealed the personal privilege of Mary. Mary was told literally, stop being afraid, just like Zacharias earlier. The reason was that she had found favor with God. Mary would conceive in her womb and bring forth a son, emphasizing his humanity, the God-man, God incarnate. Mary was to call his name Jesus, so again, the name is given, just like John. The name Jesus is the Greek translation of the Hebrew name Joshua. Joshua is a contraction of Jehovah Shua, Yahweh is salvation. So all those names, Joshua, Jesus, Yahweh is salvation. Jesus would be the incarnation of God in order to save men from their sins. In fact, Matthew one twenty one tells us, he shall save his people from their sins. His people, the Jew, because Matthew is writing to the Jew. Now, in verse 32 and 33, notice the angel revealed a prophetic accuracy to Mary. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. He would be the son of God. Once again, here emphasizing his deity, God the highest, Old Testament. She's a Jew. She understands this. All she has is the Old Testament scriptures. She was schooled and taught. Just as Timothy was raised by his grandmother and his mother in the scriptures, able to make them wise. He would be God, the second person of the Trinity, co-equal with the Father, and eternal. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and God was the Word, John 1.1. 1, 1. And the Word became flesh, and we beheld his glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, John 1.14. God became man. Isaiah prayed to God, all that you would rent the heavens and come down. He says, I will, in about 500 years. <laughs> Jesus is the answer to that prayer. He would be Emmanuel, God with us. Matthew 1.23 is very, very, very clear. I don't know how anybody can deny that Jesus was God when the scriptures are very clear. All we have is God's revelation. We have nothing else. We can use nothing else as absolute truth about Jesus. He would be given the throne of his father, David, emphasizing his kingship according to the promise to David in 2 Samuel 7, 14 through 16. He would have one to sit on his throne, short-term Solomon, long-term Messiah through the line of David, which both Mary and Joseph qualified. Fulfillment of Isaiah 9, 6 through 7. Unto us the son is given, a child is born, so on and so forth. And then he would reign over the house of Jacob forever, the nation of Israel. Paul picks this up very clearly in Romans 9, 10, and 11. He nails it in chapter 9, verse 6 to 8, that remnant that God has. The eternal kingdom of God is repeated throughout scriptures. Daniel 2, 44, 7, 14. Isaiah speaks about it. Jeremiah speaks about it. The prophets, all of them. Mary, remember, acknowledged that she needed a Savior in verse 47. Like any other, Mary was stunned and humbled of her privilege here revealed to her, as she said in verse 48, a chosen vessel unto honor. Wow. 
Pastor Xavier Reese with the encouraging reminder of how God isn't looking for the perfect vessel, but merely the obedient ones to use for His service. And you can request a copy of today's thought-provoking message from the Gospel of Luke, Mary, a Chosen Vessel. Pick up a copy on CD for yourself or a friend for only $4. By the way, we'll be including everything Pastor Xavier shared with us the last time we were together as well. Now, the title to ask for once again is Mary, a Chosen Vessel. Make your request by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. Some things are easy, some things are difficult, but Pastor Xavier Reese says that when it comes to God's will, there is no mission impossible. Join him next time for more Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California, www.calvarychapelpasadena.com.